going to experience God is through the scripture. Uh, but I want to give you guys a tip. You know, again, do not see the three chapters a day as like a chore or you have to do. But do what you can. Do it until you can hear God, right? But more importantly, don't, don't try to eat old food. Like, don't try to go back and try to recuperate the 30, 40 chapters you haven't read. But read today. You know, every day is a fresh day. Just listen to the Lord through the scripture. Um, and just to give you guys, a, just a, I know I've been talking about Genesis for two weeks and Exodus for two weeks, but after next week, it's going to be one new book every week. So I hope you, got, you get that kind of sense like, wow, every week I get to read something different, a little bit different uh, corner of the Bible, perspective of the Bible. So we hope that that continues uh, in, in your uh, life. So speaking of Exodus, we're going into the book of Exodus uh, we, uh, we talked about Genesis before. And talking about Exodus, I just want to give you guys good news. I survived the, uh, um, the Exodus in my house. We had my wife and I, my, my son uh, leave me uh, for, for, for a long time. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it, and I, I thank God they, they, they arrived in Korea uh, safely. My wife says it wasn't easy at all. Uh, at one point, uh, she had to take Hyle into the bathroom in the airplane to kind of like shelter from like creating chaos. Um, but, but God was with them, so thank you for your prayers for that. Uh, and so when I went home, finally, that Friday night, uh, after a long day, um, I, you know, it, was, it was really different. You know, just walking to my house was really sad, you know. Uh, and I, when, I, when I went there, my, we have a little panda, uh, uh, what do you call it, panda toy? No, no, panda, panda bear, like teddy bear with panda. Uh, and it's high outside, I, I hugged it, and I tried to smell him, and... And then I thought, I thought about this, Exodus, I was like, I shouldn't have let them go. Briefly, you know, I was like Pharaoh in the story. But anyhow, picking up from where we left off, in Genesis we learned the great news that God is always and only creating good and redeeming all things in our lives for his good will and purpose. The bitterness, the hardship we face is the existence of our life separated from the God who creates good. And as we saw in the life of Joseph, this, the incredible suffering that he went through and the trials he endured, he kept his relationship of faith in God and he never gave up on God's promises, his word, which came in his case through the revelation of dream and God intervened, right? And the end result is that God redeems the bad that happened, the evil of the betrayal and the suffering of Joseph's life. And as he said, as we declared in, in verse 20, he said, you intended, Joseph says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Literally, the world was saved through this crazy trial that Joseph went through, which all seemed like to, our, to anyone's objective view as a failure, as just simple tragedy. But Joseph had faith in God. Eventually, God intervened and brought good out of the evil. So, again, Genesis, the, the story that colors the entire Bible, is a story that God is creating good out of evil for those who believe in his word and promises. That's the legacy of the family of God, starting from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way to us. We're a family of victory and champions heritage in our, in our family. So, I want you to tell the person next to you right now, look at them in the eyes and say, hello, family, let's never give up our faith in God. Tell the person next to you, hello, family, let's never give up our faith in God. 
It is so true. The scripture is just full of people who had crazy, messed up situations, right? Crazy suffering. But one thing was different about the people in the Bible. They had faith in God, did not give up, and God, the one who creates good, created good in the chaos of living in this sinful and broken world. So there is hope and there is joy in us who believe in him. So now let's talk about Exodus. We're going to continue to see in the book of Exodus how God continues his work of redeeming his people of faith out of the evil that is existing in the history of mankind. So at the end of Genesis, we ended with Joseph being reunited with his family, a huge family of 12 brothers in total. That was 13 years of him being sold as slave, right? So after 13 years of him being betrayed by his family, he sees them again, and what happens? It's a happy ending, right? Joseph forgives them. They all live now in Egypt, and Joseph, being the second greatest powerful man in the, in the, in the whole world at the time, the Egyptian, Egyptian empire, he invites his family to settle down in the best place in Egypt called Goshen. It's, it was also called the District of Ramses, who was the name of the, of the pharaoh at the time. Uh, and that's how they survived through the seven years of drought, Okay. Now, this family that came from Canaan to, because of uh, Egypt for the, for the famine, uh, Joseph's family, it was about 70 total. So you think about, you know, the 12 brothers, their wives, their kids, all together servants. About 70 people came into the Egypt, right? Now, here's the thing. The story of Exodus is that those 70 people that came, basically they had great favor, right? Because as long as Joseph was alive, he lived 110 years, they were, they were taken care of. I mean, imagine if your, your brother or your, some family member was, you know, like the vice president, right? You're, you're going to be okay, right, of the USA. No matter what happens in your family, you're going to be okay. But imagine that, right? But then when Joseph dies eventually, after about 80 years of, you know, 70 people living very happily, something changed. And that's where the problem starts happening. Now, instead of the Pharaoh that was favorable towards Joseph, who helped interpret his dreams, you get a guy who's who, who has no idea of what happened. And in fact, he, was, he did not agree about the previous pharaohs giving favor to these people. They called it the Hebrews. Hebrews means they crossed the water. They had to cross the, the water to come. Anyways, these, the, the new government that was in place basically looked at the Hebrews enjoying the land of Goshen, you know, having plants to eat, and they were growing at a, at a fast rate. He decided, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm the pharaoh. You are foreigners. You're going to be my slaves. And that starts a process where for the next 400 years, the people of Israel, the Hebrews, have become slaves in Egypt. So to imagine this. The family of Joseph, right, they were just going to visit Egypt. Their plan was never to go to Egypt just to stay there. But they had fun, and they were hoping to go back to Canaan, where they came from but they couldn't. As slaves, you have no freedom. You have no identity. In fact, they were losing their heritage. Imagine 400 years of being stuck in a place, being prisoners. What happened? I thought God was supposed to do good, and he did, right? He saved Joseph's family. He raised up Joseph, and then there was salvation. But then evil continues to threaten and attack God's work. That's what's happening in all of our lives. God is always working good, but so is evil always working to steal and to destroy the good that God has. It's, it's never ending. That's why life is tiring. 
God's not the only thing that exists. There's great evil. There's great dangers and pain and sin in our lives. And it's constantly fighting. And it resulted in Israel becoming slaves for 400 years. What's amazing about this story, though, is that if you look at it, if you understand it, even in this undesirable and painful reality of being slaves, stuck in another country under a, a harsh rule for 400 years, guess what happens in that 400 years? God was still in control. Check it out. The 70 members of the family that came to Egypt from the family of Jacob, after 400 years, guess what happened? They became a group of people called with, with 600,000 men. So if you take, consider the count of women and children, that's about 2.5 million people. That's an amazing growth. So this little family of faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which was only just 70 people, because they were in Egypt, God allowed them to grow into a nation. So in our, in our, in our simple mind, we, we look at that situation and say, oh, see, God, God's not true. God failed. God's weak. He left us. We're dead, right? But no, 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 God, but they didn't understand. God was working a plan to actually increase them because now his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was no longer just a family affair. It became a nation because his ultimate goal was through Abraham's descendants, all nations will be blessed. And he couldn't do that with the 70 people stuck in Canaan. Because if you know the story, Canaan was surrounded by many countries, and they were always fighting. The chances of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their little family of 770 or 1,000 becoming a nation, not likely. But in Egypt, though they were slaves, they were in this prosperous and this well-developed system, and God allowed them, even in that awful place, to prosper. See, God is always working good, even in the evil. People thought, oh my gosh, we're slaves. We lost our land. We're never going to have our own uh, identity. Let's just give up. But God's like saying, no, 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 no. I'm still working good in your life. So, um, so therefore here, now we know in the story of Exodus, he raises up Moses. And finally, after 400 years, God says, it's time. It's time for them to come out. Exodus means leaving, exiting. Moving out, he wants the people out of slavery. But here's the problem, right? God is, again, trying to do something good in the lives of his people, but like many of us, we misunderstand or we do not see it, and what do we do? Instead of accepting his work, we reject it or miss, miss it. Check what they, the, the Israelites' first response to Moses coming to Egypt was. They tell Moses this, May the Lord... Look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. This is the, 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 the 2.5 million Egypt, um, uh, Israelites still stuck in slavery. Their response to God sent, delivered to Moses, instead of saying, Moses, thank you. We want to go back home. They say, may God judge you. Because when Moses came, with the good plan of God, the evil system became more, even more evil. I don't want to say eviler, but that's the idea. When good wants to come into your life, a lot of times evil doesn't just say, okay, God, you just want to do something good? Go ahead. No, no, no. It fights back. Our master, should I say, the flesh, that we are slaves. When the scripture says when you sin, you are a slave to sin. The sin in our lives does not want God's glory to come. 
That's why sometimes when we sing Holy Spirit come and the glory of God, it's, it's, it's like a, there's like a wrestle in us. Like something inside of us is like, no, I don't want it, right? That's exactly what happened. Pharaoh got a message from the messenger of God saying, I'm going to take my people back. And he doesn't say, oh, yeah, you're the God of the universe. You're, you're a creator of God. Sure. No, he says, no, I'm going to increase my evil on these people. And he makes it so hard on the Israelites from that moment. And then what does Moses say? Moses returned to the Lord after this great welcome. He says, why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on these people? Is this why you sent me? Moses questions God. God, I don't agree with the way you want to do good in my life. This is how I want you to do good. This is what good is for me, right? Moses had that moment too. He says, ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on these people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Moses, just like many of us, are wondering, God, you say you're going to do good. Where is the good? Maybe you are not good. But we know that this is revealing to us that the people of God, even though they were prospering in the physical, their hearts and their spirit was dead. Their faith was gone. The stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, probably by the 200th year, 300th year, it became just a legend, a folklore, and just something you never talk about. You never talked about the creation. They started accepting the Egyptian God story. They are teaching. They were brainwashed, and they basically said, God doesn't exist. Sounds familiar to what's happening, what is at at risk in all of us as we lose our faith. To lose our faith, it is a temptation in our lives. And we really see that the Israelites were not ready at this point to believe in God. And then the big questions that come into our minds is why God? Why this trouble? Why this way? So the trouble here we see is Exodus 6, verse 9. It says, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. They did not listen to him. The words that Moses spoke were not his own words. It was the very word of God. But the people of God, people of God at that time, had no room to listen to the word of God. If you cannot hear his word, you have no faith. You're dead. You are nothing but powerless under the rule of your master as a slave. The same power that accesses God's goodness and redeeming power has always been a faith relationship with God. Salvation, there's no way to be saved except through faith in God. And the people of God, more than physical freedom they needed, they needed to have faith in God again. So in Exodus the whole point of Exodus is to show how God works in the lives of these lost people, his children who has forgotten about him as their father, to build faith in them and to develop them into his people, family, and nation again. So as we analyze the book of Exodus, it's very simple. It's simply two parts. The book of Exodus is simply two major parts. Number one, it's a story of how God set Israel free. How does God deliver them is the first part of the story. And the second part is, now that he does free them, it's now speaking about how to live a new life of freedom, new life in freedom. What are the new promises? So it's, it's, it's good to have deliverance, but deliver into what is what God wants to show us in the book of Exodus. To put it simply, in honor of the three girls that were born, you know, this is basically a new birth manual. How to deliver a baby 
and how to raise the infant is the book of Exodus. Again, because the people of God lost their faith, right? That's why Moses had to write Genesis through Deuteronomy for the sake of this new baby that was born. And this is the story, this idea of how God delivers you and how now we're supposed to live in that new life is basically the mirrored version of what you have and I have in the New Testament through the Gospels and Jesus. In the New Testament through the Gospels, we understand what it means to be free from death and sin through the death of Christ. And now the New Testament is also, the latter part of it is the letters from the apostles telling us how to live in this new life. It's a mirror version of what God is about to do. In the Exodus, it was physical. In the New Testament, it's spiritual. Now this man, Moses here, lonely man. Uh, I don't have to go into the story of what happened to Moses, but you know he ran away because he killed an Egyptian. He was actually really, he was, uh, he was born into an Egyptian family. Uh, he was well-respected. He, he had some uh, power and, and some uh, clout in that, in that uh, foreign land. But he escaped and ran into the desert, and he was there for 40 years. Now, if you were Moses, you would probably be thinking, wow, everything I believed about God choosing me, God being with me, I don't think it's true. Imagine for 40 years feeling rejected like he failed, sorrow, uh, feeling shame about his mistakes, playing that condemnation tape in his mind over and over. In fact, he did it to a point where he couldn't speak because he had nobody to speak anyway. So for 40 years, he thought, wow, I just wasted my life. But guess what? That 40 years, again, of evil was not lost. God used his 40 years to train him because for 40 years more, he had to lead a nation of 2.5 million people into the desert for 40 years. So the very thing that he thought was a mistake and a loss, God said, no, 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 I'm going to use your mistake. I'm going to use your loss and yours, even your fault, and I'm going to use it for good if you believe in me. And so God convinces Moses. Moses could have said, no, 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 no. But finally, even he had a small bit of faith to say, I'll take my chances, God. I will do what you say. And then finally, the first part of Exodus that, that we're reading in, in, this, in this week is going to be talking about how does God overcome and deliver this nation out of slavery. The answer is the ten plagues. There's something very interesting of the ten plagues that I didn't realize that I realized this time reading it that there's a reason why God went through 10 plagues. Let me show you guys this. The first plague was this. God turns the water into blood. Every water, not just the Nile, but like the water in your house, in your refrigerator, in the water bottles, in, in our time, miraculously turns to blood for seven days. And so this thing here, uh, the reason is because this, the Egyptians had 10 specific gods. Every plague was actually God saying, I am greater than these gods. The 10 plagues was a process of God proving to Israelites and to the Egyptians, convincing them, building up their faith, saying that I'm not just any God, I am the God. So he first attacks this God named Happy. He was the water bearer Egyptian God of the Nile. And you might know the story, but the Pharaoh's magicians came and then they also tried to turn the water into, into, into blood and they did it, right? But they couldn't turn all the water back into normal water. So that was a defeat on the Egyptians' God. Second one, it was the frogs from the Nile River, right? Why? Because there's a god in Egypt that was called Heket. He, she was the goddess of fertility, and in the drawing, she had the face, the head of a frog. So this is not just random 10 things that God just did. This is a specific God saying, no, no, no. 
everything that is trying to keep you as a slave, I am going to show you I am the deliverer. Same thing, the frogs appear, the, the magicians can uh, kind of copy it, but, they, but the no longer can they get rid of it. So again, a win to God. Third one, now lice from the dust of the earth. The first three plagues, God does it by Aaron, uh, by commanding Aaron to strike something, strike the water, strike the, uh, the, 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 the dust, and then every dust literally became lice. Imagine how many dust is in your typical room on the streets. They all became lice. Imagine how pesty that was. Why? Because Geb was God of the dust. They prayed to this guy, Geb, deliver us. But Geb wasn't answering. The lice was still attacking. So again, a win to God. Fourth one was swarms of flies. Because the Kepri, the god of creation, in the drawings of the ancient people, had the head of a fly. So from the fourth plague and on, God ups the ante, God ups the, the power, because no longer does Aaron have to strike something. From four to ten, simply by Moses saying his words, God created these plagues to show his power. The next one was the fifth one. All of a sudden, the next one, so every, every plague becomes powerful and more powerful and more dangerous to Pharaoh, the death of cattle and livestock, because the goddess of love and protection had the head of cow. I'm sorry, I didn't write her name. Oh, yeah. oh I see. The goddess of love. I forgot the name, but the name doesn't matter. But there was a, a goddess that, uh, representing love with the head of cow, and God, again, was attacking and was building up the faith of the people to believe in him. Next one, he goes, he uh, commands ashes to turn into boils and sores. From now, until this point, every plague was affecting their surrounding. Now, it was attacking the Israelites directly. And I got to tell you guys this, from the, uh, the, uh, the fourth plague and on, what's amazing was God made it very clear to the people because all these plagues were attacking the Egyptians, but the Israelites, nothing happened. So no flies, no cattle of uh, Israelites died, and no Israelite had boils on their sores. Why? Because the god, goddess Isis was the goddess of medicine. They called out to her, no answer. God takes another victory. And then seven was hail and lightning, because Nut was the goddess of the sky, and they called out to her, please stop sending hail. Hail still comes, comes, keeps on falling down. And guess what? In Goshen, no hail. Everywhere else, getting destroyed. Something interesting about this play, God says in this seventh one, he actually gives Moses the chance to tell the Israelites, hey, this is coming. If you don't want to get hurt by the hails, take all your livestock, all your harvest, bring it indoors, and you'll be fine. Those that listened to his message, the word of God, they were saved, even though they were Egyptians. But those Egyptians that says, no, 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 we're protected by our own goddess of the sky, they all got destroyed and many faced death. Eighth plague, locusts sent from the sky. Again, this is the, regarding the sky because the, uh, the, the god Seth was the god of disorder. And then the locusts came and again, same thing. And the people of Israel, nothing happens. And then the people of e Egyptians suffered through this plague. The final two. Here it is, three days of complete darkness. Why? Why was this scary? Because to the Egyptians, Ra was the sun god. He was one of the strongest gods that they worshipped because he provides the sun, which provides everything else, living thing. But what happens? They cry out to him for three days. He doesn't answer, wins. And finally, you know the story? 
Even through all of this, Pharaoh goes back and forth and says, okay, stop it, please, I'll let them go. And then once the plague stops, he says, no, 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 I changed my mind. He does this over and over and over again. Imagine how frustrating it must have been for Moses and the people of Israel saying, God, is this all you have? And finally, at the 10th plague is the death of the firstborn. This is where the Israelites were told to put the blood of the lamb over the lamp of the doorpost of their house. And the angel of death, when they saw that blood over the doorpost, they passed over their house. And the houses that did not have the blood over the doorpost, their firstborn, cattle, firstborn, dog, whatever, firstborn, child, baby, whatever, firstborn, everything died, even in Pharaoh's house. Why? Because God, this is the one plague that God directly attacks Pharaoh because Pharaoh was seen as the ultimate God of Egypt. Pharaoh was believed to be the descendant of the sun god Ra. So again, it's not that God just like picked 10 plagues out of, out of a hat and just scattered them out. He was deliberately announcing, building the lost faith of the Israelites, saying the, the, the circumstance that you live in, that you have been living in for 400 years that made you lose my faith, I am here to redeem that. I am here to destroy evil with good. And what's interesting, for what sake, why was God telling, doing, trying to bring them to freedom? In Exodus 7, 6, it says, then God says, say to Pharaoh, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. Every time he goes and announces a plague, Moses repeats this to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh keeps saying no. Because why? Pharaoh, the master, wants them to worship him, benefit him, benefit the world. But God is saying they're not of your world. They're my world, my kingdom. So, friends, in the two parts, as you can see, why 10, right? Why 10? Because here's the truth. The two parts of the book of Exodus are, are, are defined by 10 things, right? How God sets Israel free is by 10 plagues. How God instructs them to live is instructed by 10 commandments. The number 10 in the Bible always represents fullness, completeness. So I call it the 10-10 salvation. See, here's the thing. God could have delivered them, right, in any way. But he wanted to make sure that the deliverance he gives to his beloved people is not partial. This is the thing that the message of Exodus to us is this. The God who does good in our life does not do half good. His plan in our life is not to say, yeah, I give you a little bit of salvation, salvation of your spirit, that's okay. Your mind, your body, your, your emotions, your, your society, you know, deal with it on your own, right? That's enough. No, that's not the way that God looks at us and wants to work in our lives. He wants to deliver full salvation, and he wants to deliver us full blessing in our lives. See, whatever may be holding you back in your life, it could be sin, addiction, brokenness, bitterness, spiritual oppression, physical, psychological, financial oppression. God cares, not just for some of them, but he wants to bring full salvation in your life. Now, what, he, what, what, what that entails is this. If you look at the story of Exodus, it wasn't easy, right? Moses at any point, even the Israelites could have said, you know what? We already had seven plagues. It's not working. Let's just quit, right? There's something about not quitting that really is the key to accessing the unlimited power of God. That's actually, again, faith. It's spelled faithfulness. 
Literally, the word for faith, amuna, but where we get the word amen is saying that is faithful. Faith is not how big it is. I don't care how small it is. When it's faithful, it finishes the work of divine intervention in your life. You will see good in your life when you allow God to work his full salvation. So friends, the challenge for us is this. Again, Israelites, Moses, he was very afraid, right? When he saw three plagues work, he probably thought, wow, that was awesome. But when he had to go again and again, Moses is great because he had the faith to not stop until God said it is complete. It may take time, but let me remind you, let me assure you God's plan for full deliverance in your life, again, physical, financial, social, mental, whatever it is, why is God allowing you to live? Because he still wants to deliver you from all the play of the gods in your life, all the taskmasters in your life. Think about, again, your life, right? There's, some, there's, there's aspects in our lives that we still feel like powerless. There's probably circumstances in your life, characteristics, habits in your life, patterns in your life, mistakes and weakness in your life that you are saying, wow, God, I wish this was not so. And it's been years, it's been decades, but it's not done. And God is inviting you to experience his full salvation. It will take time in his way, but that is his end goal. Therefore, you can be thankful now even for the circumstances, the difficulties that surround you. It takes faith to see his 10-10 salvation. Now, we know the story, right? Even though the Israelites experienced all of this, they still did not believe. All 40 years, the first generation came out. Every turn of the way, something happened. said, let's go back to Egypt. They weren't free. They were free physically, but in their mind, in their heart, they were still slaves and broken. And they all failed. But the truth is, that's our story. God delivers you. God shows you power. We fall back. But friends, it's not about us because Jesus, because God knew it would take the gift of his son, Jesus, to become the full victory in our lives. What's interesting is during the 10 plagues, this was God's mercy again. God didn't just bring them out because even if he just, he could have just brought them out like the first time he talked to, talked to Pharaoh. But there was a thing that God looked at his children and he wanted them to succeed. And what the people needed was not God's miracle. What they needed was their faith to be restored in God. Friends, there's a word in the Hebrew word, you might know this, shalom. When we say the benediction, the, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That peace word is shalom. And guess what the word shalom means? It just doesn't mean like peace, like happiness. It means wholeness. See, that's who God is, right? It, it takes, obviously, Moses probably went home every time he saw, the, he saw the plague work, went home and then realized Pharaoh changed his mind, so he has to go back again. I don't know how long that process took, but I'm sure every time he said, God, are you really God? <laughs> are you really able to do this or not? But God, without fail, is someone who wants to restore all things to be whole. He doesn't want to work just half-baked goodness in your life. He wants to restore you to the fullness of who you are. Now, again, it does not work in our timing, in our way. That's the part where our faith is tested, but God is wanting to work his wholeness. Do not give up until you see it restored. Why is this something that I'm not making? Because Jesus himself said this. Interesting is John 10.10. 10. Remember that, 10.10, 10, okay? 
fullness. What's the full picture of Jesus? Why did he come? Because he knows the thief comes to only to steal and kill and destroy. That's what was happening to the Egypt, uh, Israelites in Egypt. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the little bit, the enough, just to get you by, just your spirit, right? Just for your life in earth is just going to suck and it's going to be so dark and gloomy and depressed, but at least you get spirit. No. He's wanting to work with you. He's inviting you to follow him because he's saying, I have, I want to work all 10, 10 salvation. Fullness. I want to show you the areas that you think is impossible in your life, be it physical, family stuff, emotional, finance. I want to show you I am the God. I am not just a God. I am the God. God allows, therefore, evil and free choice to even create bad. God could just stop our free choice and stop everyone from sinning. He could do that, but he doesn't. Why? Because God is saying, I want to show you I am greater. That despite your decisions and failures, I am here. I am not weak. I am not nervous about my power to redeem. I am the God. But the question I ask you that the Israelites had to ask, Moses had to ask is, can you believe him till the end? Can you hold him to this word every time the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy? And like I told you, he's going to come again. I don't care what you were delivered of yesterday or last week. He's going to come again to your house. Maybe with bigger things. You know, if the 10 gods was not enough, he'll bring another set of 20 gods. He'll keep creating evil in your life. But when they do, can you still believe and say, I hold on to God's promise until I see the wholeness of God in my life. I'm not going to give up. Victory and freedom as the Israelites was looking for was to be able to worship God and God only to praise him. Friends, that is amazing, right? Because at the same time that God was delivering and building faith for Israelites, guess what? The 10 plagues became a witness to Egyptians too. I am sure many Egyptians started to question their way of life and they started seeking God. In fact, there, there came a time in history where Egypt became a center of mission, a center of great things, miracles in the church. When was the seed sown? I believe it was in this moment. Again, God's idea of salvation goes so much more beyond than what we think and the depth of his salvation to areas where we do not even understand. Friends, I want to say something. There's something that God needs us to understand. Why did God allow the suffering to happen? Because the Israelites were not convinced that they needed salvation. Why would I want to have the fullness of God if I'm not convinced that I'm being stolen from, if I am being hurt and being destroyed? Sometimes God allows evil, to, suffering to happen to maybe help us understand just how deeply I need salvation. That I thought I was saved, I thought I had the full, but then God drops the floor and says, no, no, you're not full yet. There's still more that's to come. The battle is not done yet. I have not shown you the fullness of my victory. Friends, there's a promise. Again, Hebrews 10, right? Read the whole chapter. In verse 32, uh, the writer of Hebrews tells the believers, remember those earlier days after you have received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Right there, that's what I said. The moment you receive the goodness of God, all the evil around you and in you is saying, no, 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 no. You're my slave, Inguan. You obey me. I will do with you as I please. That's what's going to happen. But then he says, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, and other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. 
But then what did they do? They, you suffered along with those in prison. You have choice to quit. These people had the choice to say, you know what? I don't want the light anymore. I don't want the faith in God. I don't want to try to believe anymore. I don't want to try to love anymore. I'll just do what everybody else is doing. I'll just eat the Egyptian food. But no, they suffered and they joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that yourselves had better and lasting possessions. They had the word of God and the promise of God and the faith in God to say, you know what? I don't want to serve this world anymore. And verse 35, the writer says, so do not throw away your confidence, which is another word for faith, another word for faithfulness, it will be richly rewarded indeed. And then what does he say? He said, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. This is what's so true, guys. When we do allow and accept God's work in timing, instead of being offended and saying, I'm going to go back to Egypt, become a slave, at least I had a little you know, comfort there that I liked, my, I like the way my life is kind of coping still with the you know, things that I just let it happen. No, no, no. They, it says they persevered and they saw the goodness of God. Verse 37, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And verse 38 says, and by my righteous, but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Friends, I wish there was a different way that we could like know God and experience God and, and see God redeem in our lives, but this is it. And there's thousands of thousands of millions of people's stories that prove that, yes, my faith opened the divine intervention of God, and I was delivered. Verse 39, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Saved in what way? Not just half, not just, just your physical and just your social, no, in the fullness of God. Life in this view gets very exciting because the very suffering that you're having right now is what qualifies right now for you to see the salvation of God. You may have defeated Ra and Seth, the first three gods that are, that are ruining your life, but there's still seven more that God is saying, Inguan, I want to blow your mind. I want to show you that I am God, and I, I am a God who has called you to be a blessing to nations. I have called you to bear my name, to bring salvation as I've done it in your life. And I can tell you this, even in my short life, the troubles in my life, the questions I had, the, the times that things were just going the wrong way that it, as I thought. I look at back and now I say, wow, God, you're perfect. Your ways are perfect. You never make a mistake. Friends, there's something that we all struggle with, the word delay, right? The Israelites probably thought this. They're saying, okay, maybe some people believe Moses, but they're looking at him and they see him going back to Pharaoh and they're saying, okay, we're leaving tomorrow. And they're like, oh, never mind. Okay, you go back. And then again and again and again, there's delay, there's disappointments in our lives, but that's the very time that we have to realize where our faith is tested and we're about to see something greater in our lives. Just like the Hebrews and Moses in Exodus, we may doubt and even at times be frustrated at God, but those are the moments that we must welcome in a deeper way, accept God's unique process that he wants to bring a fullness of blessing and victory that we do not understand yet. 
Because only God knows the extent of the salvation I need. I can tell you this for sure, guys. Why does God create life and the hurdles in life? Even marriage is such a beautiful thing, but his purpose in marriage is not just for happiness, it's actually for salvation. It's to show you just how much, at least for me, show much how much more I need salvation, right? Honestly, the reason why I'm, I'm thankful that my, my, my wife and my, my son are over there and not here, I'm free, is because I really want to work on the areas I discovered that I need God's help and grace to mature. Because I thought I was pretty good and I could love and I can all these things and my gifts and all that, but I'm like, wow, that's not enough. I need the fullness of God's salvation. That's why we live. That's the purpose of living. So there's an expectation. I'm a child of God. Why do I have faith? It's because I want to see the fullness of God's victory. I don't want to just see seven gods in my life destroyed. I want to have a testimony. It was complete victory, 10 out of 10. There has to be a yearning in our hearts, in our hearts to see. We cannot, be, we cannot just settle, right? Because I think at any point, Israelites could have said, you know what? Moses, thank you for proving that you are, that God is a better God than seven of them. That's enough, Moses. Just stop, stop rocking the vote. Stop, stop just changing my life. Stop like creating tension. Just go. Eight is enough. We'll, we'll deal with the last two, okay, on our own. Sometimes we do that. We say, God, that's enough. But no, no, no. I'm inviting us to say, no, 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 God, do whatever you want to do. But show me that you are the perfect God. You are the 10 out of 10 salvation. That's the reason we live, to discover the fullness of his freedom. It does not mean that less trouble will come. No, no, no. But that in every trouble, we get to see the full salvation of God. For those of us who ever wonder, why is God delaying his promise? The Peter, in 2 Peter 3, 9 says this. He gives us his perspective. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Like, as I said, we sometimes question, God, if I have faith and I'm walking with you, Good's supposed to happen, right? It's supposed to happen this way and right now. I'm really suffering, God. But God is saying, no, no, there's something God is working behind this delay because it's because of his compassion. Look, he says, instead he's being patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. The 40 years that the Israelites were in the desert was not because God said, you know, that's how much it's going to take. No, it's because in that time he was hoping Israelites would turn. The 40 years was not a punishment. It was grace. It was God saying, I, I see your heart. I know you don't love me. I don't, you still worship the other gods that you used to enjoy, the, the things of the world. I'm giving you 40 years so you can take an opportunity to change. But many of them that did not, they perished. But many of them that did, they saw the fullness of God's repentance and power. Friends, let's take a moment this time as praise team comes up to just close our eyes and go before the Lord in prayer. God, we want to see the fullness of the freedom that you have died on the cross for. Lord, your sacrifice on the cross, not the law, Lord, but your grace is powerful, not just to change my spirit, but to change my mind, to change my actions, to change my lifestyle, to change my husband, my wife, to change me, my children, to change my uncle, my auntie, to change my neighbors, to change the sinners, to change the people who, Lord God, who are the aggressors and even the abusers in this society. The grace of God is powerful enough to see full victory, Lord God. But who of us will, Lord, continue 
And who of us will say, we will follow you, we surrender to your ways, Lord God. Father, we want to take, take counsel right now. We want to take this moment to ask you to show us what are the, still the quote-unquote gods and goddesses that still rule over us in our lives. And we've become comfortable with them. The way of the world, the patterns of this world, the sinful things, the flesh ways, we're okay with them, Lord God. But can you deliver us? Can you show us what freedom looks like as we go through this time of experiencing your word and your truth? Father, in every home, I pray that there will be, in every individual in this church, in this year, as we stick to your word, I pray that there will be testimony of saying, wow, I thought I was dead, just like Moses. I thought for 40 years in the desert, nobody cares. I'm just loser of the loserest of people. But God said, your suffering, your sins, your mistakes, your shame, I'm going to use it for glorious purpose. So Lord, help us to open our hearts right now and receive your salvation again in Jesus' name.